I didn't lie to you on that polygraph, I promise. Chris, I'm 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 stop. It's time. I'm just stop for a minute. Take a deep breath. I want you to take a deep breath right now. There's a reason you feel sick to your stomach. And when people hold stuff inside, it makes you physically ill. And I can just tell on your face, I can tell you tell from the second you walked in that you were wanting to just come clean and just be done with this. This is a technique known as social exchange, an interpersonal persuasion strategy in which the interrogator provides the suspect with a psychological reward in return for the information they need. In this case, she's trying to convince Chris that the alleviation of mental weight is a worthy trade for a confession. She does this in a manner that protects his self-esteem by giving him appreciative reinforcements. And I appreciate that because you knew sitting down in that chair that you weren't going to pass today and you knew I was going to find out because I told you that. And then you continued to stay knowing that you could, at the end, say, you know what? I just need to get this off my chest. Everything that I've just, I told you, I did not lie on this polygraph. I am, I don't know how much I could, I could tell you right now. Like, I did not. It's, it's, not even, it's not even an option right now because uh -huh. you did not pass the polygraph. Uh -huh. So I know you were being deceptive. So that's not even an issue, an issue right now. The issue right now is, what happened to Shanann, Bella, and Celeste. The following tactic is called the futility technique, a building block to induce a sense in a suspect that any resistance on behalf of their cause is futile due to the overwhelming evidence against them. This was obviously not the case, as polygraphs are not admissible evidence, and Chris was in fact still free to leave at this point. That's the issue right now. Correct. Okay, so let's talk about that. I know, I know you want to tell us. I, I, can, I can see it in your face. Holding this lie in is going to do nothing for you. I, I know this. Like, okay. I'm not, like, trying to, like, cover things up. Like, if, yeah, but you kind of are because in, in, it's normal. This is no longer an interview to collect information. The steps of asking questions and receiving answers is over, and the interrogators are now in the process of leading the suspect into a state of mental exhaustion. The detectives will attentively watch for denials and stop them before they can be voiced. Letting the suspect deny his guilt will only increase his confidence and prolong his cerebral stamina. Normal people would do that. Normal people that make a mistake initially are gonna go, I don't know what you're talking about, I didn't do anything. That's normal. I would expect that. That's a natural reaction that someone's going to initially lie about something like that and then eventually tell the truth. So this is your eventually telling the truth time. This is where this is where the rubber meets the road, Chris. Like, don't let this continue any longer, please. I'm not trying to make anything continue. Like, I want them back home, like. But you know they're not coming back home. You know that. I don't know in the back of my head. I'm, I hope they come back home. But you know they're not. Chris, Tammy and I are confused. Okay. And here's what we're confused about. I told you that we've done some work overnight. Yeah. I told you that we've got a lot of leads. Okay, that wasn't a lie. Uh -huh. We know a lot more than you think we do. The dossier technique is a variant of the futility technique, the only difference being that the detectives are far more cryptic and often deceptive about the evidence they have. This will hint at things in a vague manner for the purpose of escalating a suspect's uncertainty. Where are they? I don't know where they're at. 
I do not know where they are at. If I could have my babies back home right now, I would. I want them back. I want everybody back. That is the God's honest truth. Although the detectives want to intensify Chris's psychological stress levels, they do not want him to become reactively agitated, as this could lead him to objecting and resisting every step of the way, and the interrogation will never get off the ground. It also significantly increases the chances of him requesting legal counsel and ending the interrogation outright. This elicits the interrogator to change approach and utilize what is known as the ego up technique, where the detective will build on the self-respect of the suspect through positive reinforcement. It is very surprising to me, and it warms my heart, that you're the type of dad who can pack a bag in the morning, and you know just what to put in there, and you know just what to put in there as a backup in case they have an accident, okay? You know what the clothes to put in there, you know what they have for breakfast, you know what they have for a snack, and a dinner, and a nighttime snack. You can tell me the book you read to your daughters, okay? I know you love them, but you aren't here today lying about something else. So we need to talk about that, okay? I know. And this is very good. Keep I, 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 I saw her, took my breath away, and I never thought in a million years that could happen. I, know. I never felt that way about anybody, like, anybody in my lifetime. Mm -hmm. I'm not proud of it. She accused me of it. I denied it. I, I, I cheated on her, and I feel horrible for it. Like, she was pregnant, and it was. I don't want to. I didn't hurt her. You're doing a good job. This is the Chris that I knew would come out today. This is the Chris who tells the truth because you're a truth teller. I don't think this girl did anything to hurt anybody. When you leave her out of it, I'm going to get back to your wife and your daughters. Okay. Where are they? That I do not know. That was what I was holding back. Like, I didn't know, like, what I did. I know, Chris, in the interview today. You weren't asked about infidelity. You were asked about that was I was holding back from last night. That's when not you why talk, you failed today. That's not how that works. Here's the challenge that we have. We knew about Nikki, and so we didn't need to ask you about her in the polygraph. We just didn't need to because we knew. Okay, and so that's why we didn't ask you because we already knew the answer. Okay, we're very very worried about your daughters and your wife. I am too. This should have been the happiest time of your marriage. Okay? You and Shanann. This should have been the happiest time. She's making a little money. She's making good money. You're making great money. You both have a job. You have beautiful kids. You have a beautiful house. You're in Colorado. Clean air. Good people. Okay? And on top of that, you look pretty good now. You're pretty fit. Okay? This should have been a time in your marriage where you guys were happy and thriving and productive. Okay? And I believe this is called the how and why solution, a technique that allows the suspect to admit a lesser act and blame the victims, while at the same time minimizing the crime and motivations of his actions. I believe that she's a controlling person. Maybe doesn't listen to you as much as she should. I think that she can do whatever she wants and you can't. Okay? I think if you were to go to a restaurant, she would order whatever the hell she wants. And as soon as you order a nice steak, she says, whoa, buddy, that's because you're a good person. And I think that she started on the path to leave the marriage. Okay. It's ironic that we're talking about you and Nikki. I think that she was the one who started on that path first. 
What do you think about that? I wouldn't have thought about that. Okay. And the other thing I think is interesting is, even though she is that type of person that's controlling, doesn't listen, does what she wants, is walking away from her kids, here you are defending her. Because to your core, you want to take care of the people you love. And that's the reason why we want to give you an opportunity today to just help us find them. Okay. Chris, right now your dad's outside. He flew across the country to help. Okay. You're lying to him. You're lied to everyone you talk to. And they all bought it. Will you please help us find your babies? I want to find them. I've told you over and over, I want to find everyone. Can you understand that some of this just doesn't make sense? I How is it possible that a woman and two kids are just completely gone off the face of the earth? I promise you, I have, I have nothing on my hands that's I did nothing to those kids or her to make them vanish. As the interrogation goes on, the constant and relentless psychological pressure essentially puts Chris at the edge of his ability to function cognitively. It's a slow and methodical process of breaking down his resistance while maintaining a balance of pugnacious and reassuring psychological techniques. I just, I just find it hard to hear you talk about having this emotional you know, conversation with Shanann and you're bawling and crying together and you have not shed one tear in two days that you've been here. No. Not one. And I, help me understand that because I don't get it. You're, these are your baby girls and you have not shed one tear over them not being around. Chris, I, uh, I, 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 I lose my four-year-old in the store for 10 seconds and I start to go panic, panic. I have not seen any of that from you at all. Help me understand that. I love those girls. I, I would never do any just because I haven't shed a tear. You get yeah, no, that's weird. Is I, I, that I, weird? Don't, don't look into that like I don't love my well, kids. Tell me, my explain wife. to me. You're, you're crying with your wife that you're leaving her. Yeah. But. You don't cry that your two little baby girls... I'm hoping they're still around somewhere. I'm hoping they're still somewhere. In the next moments, you will see step seven of the Reed interrogation technique known as the alternative question, where the suspect is given an alternative and far more morally acceptable choice for what happened. Chris, did Shanann do something to them? No, I don't know. I'm serious. I have no clue. Then you wouldn't know. They didn't leave the house. Did Shanann do something to them, and then did you feel like you had to do something to Shanann? They were at the house when I left. They were there. They weren't there. They didn't leave. They vanished. They were the only way they could have left is in your truck. Did Shanann do something? Something happened in the house that you know about. We know that something happened to all three of them. But I want to know, did something happen to these baby girls first that you had to take into your own hands and deal with? You had to clean it up for Shanann. Chris, you got to tell us. 
There's something that happened to these baby girls. Look at them. I know. Before he came in, I was watching videos. We have no doubt you love these girls with all of your heart. I have no doubt. But we make mistakes. That's okay. It's what we do with those mistakes that make us who we are. Chris, it seems like I'm thinking about her right now. What are you thinking about? She could have. I feel like you cleaned up for her. I feel like that's the type of guy that you are. Chris, this is a weight that's going to be on you for the rest of your life until we resolve it tonight. Unless we can talk about this more tonight, we're going to follow you forever. I promise you, when you start talking to us, you will feel better. Chris, we're giving you a lifeline right now. You need to take it. You need to reach out and take it. Chris, you took them out of the house with their blankets and their animals. And that's because you cared. That's what a caring dad does. And you've either cleaned up after Shanann or you made the mistake and I mean I wanna believe that maybe Shanann did it and you felt compelled to fix this so Shanann didn't look bad. That's what I that's what I wanna believe. But I don't know, you're not telling me that, so it makes me think the worst. Like, did you I did not to all three of them? Like what did she need to do? Tell us, Chris. Chicks are crazy. Can I talk to my dad or something? Absolutely. Come Do you want to bring him in here? No, uh, I just can't talk to my dad. I flew across the country. He crashed in. How about this? If we brought your dad in here, would you please tell him what happened? And you need to realize that your dad is not going to stop loving you no matter what you tell him. You are his child, and he will not stop loving you. Never. Never. And this is not the last chapter in anyone's story at all. Okay. Hey, Chris, we're going to let you have uh, however much time you need, okay? Sure. You can leave us in there? Uh, yeah. Yes. Sure. Don't want some long thing, or? And then just uh, polygraph. Failed it. Failed it. There, because there's just too much emotions. It's anything else you want to tell me? What's what's going on? Or what happened? Or anything? What? When we had that conversation that morning, it was you know it was emotional and it was told her about separation and everything like that. Mm -hmm.
Less than 10 seconds after the mention of the word lawyer, the detectives re-enter the room and immediately reinforce Chris with non-verbal empathic communication. They immediately divert Chris's attention from the well-informed advice of his father to their own appreciative reception of his contemporary admittance. Can you help us more this with you, okay? Can you tell us what you told your dad? She was in there with her. I talked to her. Although not the full avowal they are pursuing, Chris has still confessed partly to the crimes, and they now have one foot in the door. He is no longer free to leave. The interrogation now returns to a non-suggestive process, where the detectives will collect further information, where they will not contaminate with excessive or direct input. Mm -hmm. I they're gone. Both horrible for what I did. And what to do. Just the hard part. We have left. Can you tell us where they're at? I don't think he's mad at cold. At that first location I went to that day. I don't know what to do. I know. I didn't know what to do. Like, none of, this, none of this made sense. Why would she hear my fucking girls? I'm sorry. I know you are. I know you are. 
I know you came in today to do the right thing. Where'd you put them? Put them out there. In the truck. Did Shanann fight back at all? When you did that? The rage that I had after seeing that, I, not much. I didn't know what else to do. I know. I, I, know. I, know. I didn't know what else to do. I was so scared. I know. It's like, my wife just did this, that, just did that. What do I do? Right. You were in tough spot, and I think, what can you do, right? Your body just kind of takes uh, over. Uh, What's going to happen? We're going to help them get out of there. Chris, I know they're gone, but they're still your babies. And you're still their dad. And you don't want them out there. I don't want them out there. <laughs> you don't want someone else to find them out there. You don't, I promise you. You give us a second so we can kind of get some things arranged. Can you hear that? This is just fucking horrible. My mom always said she was an unstable person, but I never thought that a million, million years that could happen. She just lost it. Why does it happen to you? Well, why did this happen to the two little girls? That's like on the old news any time, so No, no, not tonight. Whereabouts? The Shanann and the girls? The S for Shanann? Okay. And where are the girls at? Here, here. In these? Mm -hmm. So how did you dig this out? I'm assuming that's under dirt. How did you take that? So So it sounds like, I mean, it feels like to me, now we know pretty well how to go get them. Is there anything else we need to know? Can you think of that question? Let my family down. Let my dad down. Let my mom, sister, nephew, nieces, friends, co-workers. Can I ask you another tough question? Can you just get it all on the table. When you see Shanann choking, strangling, Celeste. And you get her off of Celeste. Do you think um, about calling an ambulance? Come. I saw see you lying there, blue and limp. Mm -hmm. I've never seen something like that in my life. I mean, she just like lay over, like nothing was she wasn't moving at all, no gas, no breath. So she was totally just 
After the baseline information of Chris's version of events is gathered, he is now locked into an alibi and timeline of affairs that forensics will subsequently examine and dissect in ways so they can use it against him. The tone of the interrogation then reverts back from information gathering to a confrontational nature. So Chris, you've been doing the show for a long time. I know. I, uh, I know a lot of about psychology and as far as like what people are thinking. Most parents will never even want to fathom that their kid, their kid is dead. Even if their kid's stiff, blue in bed, I mean stiff like been dead all night, they still call an ambulance to see if someone can revive their child. And they, when the ambulance get the, gets there and they're like, gosh, their kid's been dead all night, like there's nothing we can do. And the parents are like, what are you, why are you not doing something? What are you talking about? So that's what I'm, that's what we're used to. So I just, that's why I want you to explain to me like what was going on in your head and. Where you left felt for what she was, what she did. It just took over. I just, I would hate for Shanann to get a bad rap if she didn't have anything to do with it. You know, it's not fair. I know. There. there is no technical term for this approach, yet it's a clear attempt by the detective to interconnect to the suspect's sense of morality, which is always under the assumption that they have any. Like enough bad stuff has happened, like we need to stop the bad stuff from happening. So, you want to tell the truth? That is, that is true. So you're good with the public knowing that Shanann killed her daughters? I did not hurt these girls. Are you okay with the public knowing that Shanann killed Yeah, it's good. I did not hurt these girls. I'm not sure what to do. Are you sure Shanann didn't catch you? Oh my god, no. Don't get mad. But what it looks like is that you found a new life, and the only way to get that new life was to get rid of the old life. And I think that you killed these girls before their mom came home and then killed Shanann. And that's what we're kind of left, that's what we have to believe, because it just doesn't make sense. I mean, to her point, if I walked in and my kid was decapitated, I'd call an ambulance, mm -hmm. right? So Knowing there's no hope. It just, it just doesn't make sense. It just doesn't add up. So either you're this monster, you so know, I just want this young, hot girlfriend, so I'm going to kill everyone and hope it works out, or something. So I think we're very, very close to the truth, but not quite there yet. So if you're not that monster, I'm not a monster. So what's going to happen when their cause of death comes back to you? Or the girl's not going to? Okay. You sure? I'm 100% positive it's not going to come back to me. And what happens when a coroner looks and says it sees your fingerprints on her neck? It's not going to be my fingerprints. Okay. What's it going to be? It's going to be Shanann. Why take their bodies out of the house and bury them? I was scared. I didn't know what else to do. Okay. Nothing, nothing, nothing was gonna, I, I didn't know what to do. Yeah. Scared. I honestly didn't know what to do. Scared of what? Scared of what everything was gonna look like. There's, my two babies were gone, mm -hmm. and I, I just did that to my wife. And I was the only one left in the house. What do you expect is gonna happen? Yeah. It did look bad, right? It looked, I mean, this was a nightmare. Yeah.
yesterday when you were talking. Um, and again, this is before we kind of got to this um, moment today. You mentioned that oh, we were talking. You said, I don't know where they are. I don't know where they are. And then you said something along the lines of, whatever happened to them is active pure evil. What did that mean? Is this the evil that I saw when I walked behind him and she was on top of CC? And I felt evil spread in the man. Okay. So after we after we look at their bodies, we're gonna have a lot more questions. Um, things are gonna be different then, but if you're willing, we'd love to talk to you then too. Now that we know what we know. Um, we're going to, um, I need to check that you don't have any weapons on you or anything like that. Do you have any weapons on you? Okay. Um, we'll do that. We'll go to the bathroom. I'm not going to go in the stall with you, but I'm going to go with you. Um, and then we'll come right back here and we'll make a decision about how the rest of the night goes. All right, so you might stand it up so I can check. This interrogation was a true testimony of how mental fatigue can restructure an individual's cognitive rationale. Chris maintained his innocence even after the failed polygraph, and if he had kept that stance, he would have walked out of that police department as a free man for at least another night. Yet, after a prolonged state of isolation, anxiety, and fear, coupled with the cerebral influencing tactics of the interrogators, the alleviation of getting out of that situation was in that moment perceived as enough of a luxury to exchange his freedom for. Chris, please. stand up for me. I'm going to have you face that wall. Lift up your hands. 